1: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of A.I. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch with technology
2: with Tech Stuff from howstuffworks.com.
0: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And you know, we're starting to wind down the year of 2013, and we thought it might be cool for us to take a look at some of the big tech companies, the best tech companies to work for in 2013.
2: Uh, yeah, because some of them are actually really small.
0: Yeah, and some of them uh, you may not have heard of because they're not necessarily companies that average consumers would end up interacting with. They're more like companies that enterprises interact with. Sure. And uh, we we managed to get this list. Uh, it was from a, an article that was published in Business Insider by uh, Megan Rose Dickey, who put together an amazing list of uh, 25 companies. We're we're looking at the top 10. This- right,
2: right. Uh, Business Insider does this list every year, and I think the competition this year was a little bit stiffer. The lowest ranked. Uh, okay, so so what this is looking at, it's based on at least 25 company reviews on Glassdoor um, from from a certain date range from 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 a good year long range. Yeah, of, they of look a, over
0: a stretch of 12 months,
2: end and, of the year, and then an extra from the beginning. of. And the in year. case
0: you want to know what Glassdoor is, if you haven't been searching for a job recently, <laughs> Glassdoor is a job seeking kind of a tool. And it lets you not only look to see what jobs are available, but also gives you some insight as to what it's like to work for those companies based on actual employee comments about those companies,
2: right? Employees can go on there and uh, give some pretty honest and sometimes brutal and sometimes wonderful reviews of what it's like what corporate life there is like,
0: right? It might say something like uh, the benefits are amazing. Uh, work life balance is fantastic. I really enjoy my work. And others might say things like, I really wish that my uh, my supervisor would stop buying a new whip every week so that maybe the old whips would start feeling less painful, a bit softer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that second type of company would be the one that I think most people would wish to avoid. Most people. Most people. I I'm not going to paint as with a completely broad brush on that one. So,
2: but so these company ratings are on a five point scale with with one being the worst and five being the best. And uh, this this year the lowest in our top ten is ranked four point one. Last year the winner was only a four point four. Yeah. So so, so there's the, been a, there's been a lot of upset.
0: Right. And we're going to look at uh, the top ten, but in this particular part we're going to look at numbers ten through six. So that, uh, we can, uh, really kind of give a little bit of an overview of each company because oh, we right. could just tell you the name and the rating but you could read the article for that and you should go to the article like we said yes. there are other entries in there that we're not going to cover I'll give a little honorable mention at the end of uh, the next episode for some of the companies that you may have heard of that are, that are made the list but were not in the top 10 but we wanted to actually explain kind of what these companies were and, uh, and yeah, what they do. A
2: couple of them I hadn't really heard of before had only heard of kind of in passing.
0: A couple of them I had not, not only did I not know what they were. When I read the corporate speak for what they did, I still wasn't sure what was happening, and I had to keep digging to figure it out. Um, full disclosure, years and years and years ago, I worked for a human resources management consulting firm, and uh, and I learned the, the art of corpse speak. But it has been a long time, and I have lost a lot of that ability.
2: <laughs> oh, and also, different Corp Speak is different. I mean, you, you get—I mean, the, the ones that I was kind of like, "What does your company do?" Yeah. Were the kind of new marketing sort of yes, places exactly. where I was just like, "So you do colors on websites that are really shiny?" And I don't <laughs> understand what's going on.
0: And and yeah, back when I was working for a consulting firm, cloud based was not a thing. That was that. So everything now is cloud based, apparently. But uh, last year, a couple of the companies. That made it in included uh, Miter and LinkedIn and uh, Um, Google CareerBuilder, Apple. Yep, yep. And some of these also made it into the list this year, but in different rankings than they did in years before. So let's kick this all off. Lauren, what company came in at number ten?
2: Number ten would be Orbits.
0: Now this was one that. I was familiar with. Yes. Uh, I think anyone who's done a lot of travel is familiar with this company. It
2: is, of course, an online uh, booking agent system for all kinds of travel stuff, you know, right. from from the hotels to the tickets themselves to entire packages like cruise ships yeah, or vehicles, or vehicles, car rental. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that
0: all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, this is one of those things where. It was like a a no-brainer for the Internet, right? It was something that allowed you to have access to all the tools that a travel agent would have for the average consumer. And once you had some companies put that together and really organize it, it really made a great deal of sense. It gave empowerment to the consumer. They had a lot more choices. They got to see uh, some some great savings as well. Sometimes the savings are kind of hidden behind a veil, right? Like you, if you book with a certain amount, you you might get a great deal, but you don't know what hotel you're going to get until after the deal comes through.
2: All uh, right, if you've got flexible travel plans or don't mind that element of surprise, for for slightly anxious <laughs> people like me, I'm like, please just let me pick the thing that I want to pick. Um, yeah, but for,
0: for people like me, I'm like. Where's the cardboard box? Okay. As long as I can get there.
2: Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, so the company was founded back in 1999 and, um, that yeah. was by a group of airlines. Yeah. Of,
0: of- in fact, American Airlines was one of those companies.
2: Yes. Uh, that, yeah. In, in addition to them, we've got, uh, Delta United Northwest and Continental.
0: Yeah. Not all of those are around. Some of them, like Delta acquired Northwest, for example. So there, but at any rate, it was kind of cool. These airlines all got together and said, uh, let's try and create this this tool that would be really useful. I mean, obviously, it served them as well as the customers. It's not like it was an altruistic move necessarily, but the benefit was incredible
2: uh, for everyone. Certainly yeah. they, the website launched in 2001 and then the company was acquired by 2004 by another company called um, Cendant.
0: Cendant, I think. Yeah, it's a uh, C E N D A N T, And I have obviously I. Never have heard that word spoken aloud. So I'm assuming Sendent, but I don't know.
2: Things that we should have looked up before we came into the room. Um, and they had an IPO in 2007.
0: Yep. So this is a publicly traded company. Some of the ones we're talking about are, uh, publicly traded. A couple are private and then some of them are subsidiaries. Technically, this is a publicly traded company that, um, that has an apparent, uh, kind of company the Sendent would be the parent here, but, um, yeah, the, the, company was rated pretty highly. As you said, it's the lowest rated of all the ones we it's look We're only
2: looking at. a 4.1. Right. So. And their CEO approval percentage rating. Uh, that's for Barney Harford is 91 mm-hmm. percent.
0: So, yeah, that's not bad. That's not
2: bad. And the, C- the CEO percentage approvals um bounce around yeah, a little you'll, bit. You'll hear but most of them are in them. the 90s or so.
0: Yeah. You'll hear as we go on that some of them that the company may be rated higher and a CEO may be rated lower. But you know, it happens. Uh it turns out that the employees say that uh there are a lot of learning opportunities to work when you're working at Orbits and that there are good benefits and lots of room for growth, which is great. Uh and then, you know, I decided that it would be kind of neat to look in the news because first of all, this article that was written for Business Insider came out in uh the summer of twenty thirteen, uh, because it was looking over the past twelve months, which actually started in the summer of twenty twelve, obviously. So uh since then, I thought it'd be neat to look and see what kind of news articles had popped up about these companies. So uh with orbits there was some there's some uh, you know good news and some bad news. Um for instance there was a a bit of a, a kerfuffle, you might say. A couple of counties in Maryland had uh, brought a suit against orbits claiming that it had not paid taxes properly in those counties. And the taxes in question were uh, in response to booking fees for hotel rooms, something that the uh, Orbit says it should not be held accountable for, and things the county say you should totally be held accountable for this. And actually the article I read was uh, pretty um, kind of cynical, because it was talking about how a lot of governments, specifically like local governments, county governments and city governments, we're looking at companies as a potential revenue source by going after these things that, you know, didn't exist before because of the online world is so still these relatively weird new. online
2: spaces wherein, right, you're doing business with people all over the place.
0: Right. So it's almost that same sort of mentality, at least according to the the person who wrote this article, it's the same sort of mentality as someone who would claim that the police force in your local area is stepping up, uh, uh, roadblocks and and speed traps in order to fill a quota it's that kind of same message i was getting whether or not that's the case i can't say yeah, but that was that was certainly the implication that i was getting from this particular author but another um interesting bit of news so orbit's also suffered a 20% drop in their share prices after an earnings call back in november of 2013 that earnings call revealed that company performance fell below projections. Uh, they said that it was mostly because there was a drop in airline revenue, even though hotel revenue yeah, was increasing. There's,
2: there's been overall this year a, a pretty drastic drop in airline.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but but the good news is that executives say they feel there's there's a very optimistic chance that revenue growth will return. Uh, maybe not quite at the level they had projected originally. But they, they're seeing an upswing. So it's not all bad news. So, yeah, that's uh, that's our number 10. So I guess we need to move on.
2: Yeah. Uh, number nine would be Exact Target.
0: Now, this is one that I had never heard of or uh, I was completely unfamiliar with. And partially because, again, this is a company that is a tech company, but it's not creating stuff. It's that, not
2: consumer level.
0: Yeah. It's not like it's coming out with a video game console or a smartwatch. Or even a website that most people would go to. This instead is a digital marketing software as a service company, SAAS.
2: Oh, right. Uh, they do, they do software for, for email, mobile, social media, and web.
0: Yeah. Marketing specifically. Right. So you might, uh, if you're a company and you don't have your own uh, marketing department, then you may work with a company like Exact Target to handle the marketing strategies for your company. Um this is something we're seeing more and more of today. Like you think back in the old days of business where you had this monolithic building that housed dozens of different departments that never talked to each other and had terrible uh uh, uh, competitive ex- uh, uh, relationships with one another.
2: I've, I've been in actually a couple couple companies that worked like that. Yeah. I, I
0: just think of things like Mad Men. You know, you watch shows like that and you're like, oh, that's what a marketing company is like, right? Because it's, you know, everything's very siloed and competitive and cutthroat. Uh, well, these days, a lot of companies are looking to other organizations to handle certain things that they need to do but they don't want to do with under their own roof because it's not their focus, right? Right. Particularly with startup companies, you've got these big startup companies where they might be engineers who are behind the startup company. And the engineer is really good at making something that people want to use, but not necessarily so good at, everything else that's required to run a business Oh,
2: right and frequently the kind of people who are really good at talking up a product are not the same kind of people who have necessarily created it so exactly. i think that that exists across many industries oh
0: yeah yeah so this particular company was founded in 2000 it started on a two hundred thousand dollar investment and specifically, they offer, quote, cloud-based marketing software, end quote, to help brands reach consumers. So cloud-based meaning that you would be able to interface with this no matter where you happen to be. If you were a customer of Exact Target, you could end up logging in and using their tools. It includes analytic tools, which are really important these days to make sure you are doing the right thing, right, that you're reaching the people you want to reach and that your message is having the intended effect.
2: Uh, right. And since, since Exact Target does more software than the, um, implementation of, of a marketing campaign mm. for its, for its customers, that's a pretty important thing to have those analytics built in.
0: Right. Right. So they're, what they're doing is they're giving all the tools that your company would need in order to get your, the message that you have crafted out to your customers. Uh, cause it's one thing to create your brand's identity. It's another thing to get that identity out there. Right. In fact, we're going to be talking more about that a couple more times in this list. So, yeah, uh, an interesting uh, company to talk about, because, again, it's one of those that otherwise I don't think I would have ever mentioned. I, I wouldn't have been aware of it because right. I don't own a huge company that needs <laughs> marketing.
2: <laughs> but uh but, yeah, they've got a really high rating, this kind of same four point one that Orbits has, but its CEO approval uh, of of Mr. Scott D. Dorsey is one hundred percent.
0: Yes, and I believe Mr. Dorsey is also one of the co-founders of the company. So that's another thing that we're going to be, you know, a lot of these companies we're talking about here are relatively young. Right. And so the people who made the companies are still very much an active part. You know, there are some legacy companies out there. I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler, guys. There aren't very many on this list. You're not going to hear HP. You're not going to hear IBM. You're not going to hear Intel. These companies that have Decades and decades of history. So a lot of the companies are very young, still very uh, flexible and 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 able to make uh, big changes. Plus, they have some of the original people still very much involved on a day-to-day basis in the operations.
2: Yeah, uh, go- going through this list is interesting. I, I found that – I mean, it's just – Easy to see where where that kind of environment would lead to happier employees than the kind of thing that gets so um, huge and and,
0: bureaucratic, bureaucratic, right? right. Because once you get to that level, you have to put systems in place. Otherwise, you just have chaos, right? Right. Working remotely where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Take control of your business finances today at Concur.com. That's
1: C-O-N-C-U-R dot I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: Although there is one mega, mega, mega company, actually a couple of mega companies that we'll be talking about in this episode that, you know, are still pretty good at keeping everything organized.
2: Yeah, but this one is pretty small. It's uh, only about 2,000 employees or so. Yeah. Um, And uh, it, it sounds like one of the perks of working there is that they let their employees be pretty independent. Um, but that comes with the caveat of you're expected to keep up.
0: Yeah, yeah. You are given a lot of autonomy, but that company with great power. Comes great responsibility. Always. Yeah. So uh, they also have listed core values on their website, which includes pretty simple things. I mean, these are kind of like the golden rule broken down into a corporate approach. So things like treat people well and be easy to do business with and, uh, and make clients look like heroes. These all seem like very, you know, Obvious kind of things that you should do. Mm -hmm. But when you when you make it a core part of what your company is all about and you and you truly try to stick with that, then obviously that that can trickle down into other elements that make it a great place to work. Uh, They also have a philanthropic arm, the Exact Target Foundation, which was founded in 2011. And they, that's dedicated to doing lots of stuff like helping with hunger relief, uh, increasing educational efforts and even, uh, supporting entrepreneurship across the world. So it's a company that involves itself in multiple ways with its community. So yeah. that's good.
2: Yeah. It was doing so well for itself that, uh, salesforce.com announced that it was going to acquire the company for 2.5 billion in June of this year.
0: Yep, and completed that acquisition in July. So, technically, uh this company is now part of another company. It's kind of funny because when I was looking at this list, uh some of the other ones further up the list above number 10 are companies that now are the same company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was like numbers 14 and 13 or something like that are now part of the same company. So,
2: Yeah, uh, salesforce.com also was number 9 on last year's list. Yep. So,
0: and uh, uh, apparently, you know, uh Exact target has actually boosted the sales forecast for salesforce.com. So salesforce.com had a certain number that was projected out by its analysts, right? Saying this is what we expect to hit by the end of the year by acquiring uh, this, this company. They've actually managed to boost that up. So now they're performing above what they had projected. So in fact, uh, exact target has really ma- been a benefit to Salesforce already in the short term financial scale of things. It remains to be seen how this plays out over time because anytime you have an acquisition, there are some issues to work out with cultural differences between the two different or two or more different companies, different entities. But uh, one would hope that since Salesforce has been on this list before, and Exact Target's on it this year, that it wouldn't change too much.
2: Uh, hopefully, yeah. Although, definitely, some of the some of the reasons that people gave for enjoying working at some of these places varied hugely yeah. among different companies on the list. You know, so some people. I said, I love this company because you get to act like a crazy college kid. And others are like, I love this company because they don't make you act like a crazy college kid. Right. And so,
0: yeah. So uh, it's also one of those things that really benefits you when you do your own research, because you have to con- take into consideration your own ideal working situation. Right. Sure. Like if you're one of those people who really thrives on collaboration And you, you have to be around other people and you love working on projects with people and maybe you, maybe even working on projects with different groups of people throughout your career. So it's not like you're part of a, a team that's really cohesive. You, your team changes, you know, project to project. Then obviously one type of company is going to be a better fit for you than some other company where you're sitting at a desk and you're always doing the same thing all the time, always. However, if you like stability, that other version sounds way more. Your speed than some crazy one where you have no idea who you'll be working with from one day to the next. I'm, I'm kind of in both camps on that one, but, uh, I mostly work with the same people from day to day. So I guess I have that benefit. You well,
2: know? mostly. I mean, we've got a wide team of similarly crazy people running around. This office. Let me
0: put it to you this way. If Josh Clark ever comes up to me and says, Hey, Strick, I need your help with something. I ask a lot of questions before I agree.
2: The last time that I ran into Josh Clark on the elevator, he was carrying like like three packages of rope, like industrial rope. And yeah. I was like, hey, good morning, Josh. Yeah. How you doing?
0: Yeah. So the, it pays to ask questions around here. That's what we're saying. All right, let's move on to number eight.
2: <laughs> number eight is um is another digital marketing company called Responses.
0: Yeah, this one again, this was another one. Both Exact Target and Responses were companies where I, I had to dig a little deeper to really understand what they do. Because um Lauren and I do a little bit of marketing on a very surface level.
2: Oh, very yeah. surface, like we, yeah. We
0: like to interact with people on social networks, which technically falls under the category of marketing, but we think of it as being able to like share awesome stuff with our fans. And find out what they like. So we don't really necessarily think of it in the same terms as a marketing department would. So a lot of this is like foreign language to us.
2: But responses is one of the companies that will do more of this stuff for you. They, they also work in, you know, email, mobile, social and web, but with a full like software planning and implementation kind of package.
0: Yeah. And they were founded in 1998. Their headquarters are in San Bruno, California. Uh turns out California is a great place to work if you're in tech. Um, That's crazy talk. I know. Weird, right? You never had thought of it in Silicon Valley and all that kind of stuff. Um, so... They also do a lot of research on what are the most effective means of reaching consumers. Uh, if you go to the website, one of the taglines on there is, your customers want experiences, not campaigns. So the idea being that, you know, it's not just, not just the delivery method, but also what's the actual message? What, what are you trying, what's the effect you're trying to get besides just people interested in your product? And they, they try and construct an entire approach from, uh, attracting a consumer, making them aware of who you are and what you do, getting them to purchase the, the, whatever product or service you offer, and then getting them to repurchase later on. So the idea being that you convert a, a customer into a loyal customer. That sort of conversion is, uh, obviously really important for a lot of businesses. I mean, it's great if you can make a sale. It's better if you can make a lifelong customer. Right. So that's kind of what their approach is, is to try and help uh their customers their corporate customers uh, achieve that another thing uh, they actually refer to their strategy as marketing orchestration which Look th- if
2: a marketing company can't come up with really goofy like taglines like that then they're not <laughs> a very good marketing company Yeah
0: so that was another one of those where I was like huh but it, again it was this idea of a customized experience a personalized experience so that uh the idea being that if you are a customer of of responses, they will craft their their approach in such a way that every one of your customers will get a personalized experience, which will make them feel valued as a customer and therefore improve the chances of them coming becoming a repeat customer.
2: Like we were saying. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's important work. It's one of those things where, you know, again, a lot of us just sort of take it for granted because we are on the receiving end of this marketing more often than we're on the generation end, unless you happen to work for a marketing uh, department. Sure,
2: and, and and it's easy to tell where marketing has gone wrong, but it's a little bit harder to identify when it goes right, because then you just have good feelings about stuff that things, you know, stuff that people want you to feel good about, which Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It can be swell and it can be terrifically creepy.
0: It can be. Yeah. It all depends on the implementation and the message that you're making.
2: Um, so yeah. So they, they had their IPO in 2011 and raised, uh, 79.2 million. Not bad for, for a small company. Yep. Although they are no longer quite so small. They have grown to have offices worldwide. Yep. And they seem to be, um, d- just really riding that changing marketing industry really well because it, it's a space that a lot of companies aren't sure in, in these, you know, brave new digital times. How to reach people. And
0: so, uh, how did they come out in this, um, in this, this test? Like what, what was their rating? It was, a 4.2. 4.2, 4.2. So and so 0.1 better than the other two. Yes. Mm. Stiff
2: competition and, a CEO approval rating of Mr. Dan Springer at 94%.
0: They're really good. Yeah. They actually had a lot of employees giving comments to things about, uh, you know, the, it, there's a lot of growth opportunity, uh, but sometimes, uh, according to some employees, the starting positions might have lower salaries than what you would find in competing companies.
2: Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were saying that it's, you know, the company is still growing. And so a lot of the problems are still kind of being ironed out and some, sometimes sure. communication gets lost in between different management tiers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough when you are a small startup and you're really nimble and then you're tr- making that transition. And into then all, all of a sudden you're global. Yeah. That's that there are huge challenges that come with that, just like the challenges that you know, an acquiring company gets when they get this awesome new property and then have to figure out how to make it work within their own culture. Sure. These are these are big issues. Yeah. Um, and
2: and it's been big growth, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh Wall Street Journal reports that responses had 27 percent growth in the third quarter of 2013. Uh, and they also did a survey responses did a survey. They were the actual ones conducting the survey. And discovered that marketers are not leveraging mobile platforms as effectively as they could. Uh, they were looking at how many people were starting to use mobile platforms to do some shopping, which is something we'll talk about in an upcoming podcast. But, uh, it's, you know, they, they said, you know, considering how many people are using this, we are not leveraging our marketing money nearly well enough across multiple industries. We've got to figure that out. And so that was more of a, you know, kind of, I mean, it helps drum up business for a marketing firm, obviously, but it also is something that's true. You know, the mobile, the mobile browsing world is relatively young. And just as marketing departments were starting to finally get a feel for the web, now you've got this new implementation that you have to worry about. Yeah,
2: it's very tricky. We we talked a little bit about that in that mobile ads uh, episode yeah. that we did. And I think that the shopping episode that you're talking about is coming up on forward thinking, not tech stuff.
0: Actually, it's one of the number of predictions that we made for 2013 that I'm thinking oh,
2: of. Oh, that one. Our
0: annual wrap up. Okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a small part of it. Well, before we get into the last couple of the the uh, the first section of the top 10, let's see how many prepositions I can throw into one sentence. Because let's... it's a
2: preposition now. Did you know?
0: I know. I saw that. It's actually exciting. OK, grammar geeks right here. We're going to geek out. But before we do, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Working remotely where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. OK, we're back. Let's see. We're up to number seven, I think, right?
2: Uh, yes. And that would be a company called Workday.
0: Workday. Work OK, w- what is Workday? This is another one that I had never I had heard this one of.
2: Up. Yeah, uh, they, they do HR software.
0: OK, all right. All right. All right. All right. Now I got it because I work for that human resources management consulting firm. So now we're speaking my language. OK, so it's a build as cloud based. Oh, they lost me. <laughs> that didn't exist when I worked in that world.
2: Oh, but, but, but human capital management and financial management. Yeah, human capital software. management
0: is like, you know, no, no slight against workday, but that particular phrase is not one that fills me with the warm fuzzies. What about you? Human I, capital management. I
2: can't imagine anyone other than, like, Cat Birch saying yeah, that out where, loud. Yeah, where
0: you talk about not employees, but their assets. <laughs> you know, these are things that can be traded and sold and bought on the market. Oh,
2: however, I do appreciate the insinuation that employees have intrinsic value that you want to um, leverage. leverage. Yes,
0: that part makes perfect sense. And, yes, it's hard to say this in a succinct way that doesn't come out too touchy. Feely, but it's also uh, really easy to say in a way that makes you sound like a robot.
2: I would, I would be a lot more offended if it was called like, like human marshmallow fluff love (laughs) or something like that. I don't know.
0: I. I'm going to make that my next uh my next title on my next business card. Uh I I certainly need to make one. So, uh, you can do what you want. Yeah, it's true. What what this actually means is that the company uses uh creates tools for comp- other companies to use to monitor everything from financial department type stuff like expenses and payroll and all of that kind of thing to the human resources side. So you're talking about talent management, organization, um benefits all that kind of stuff all the things that these different departments would you know we talked about that mega company from way back when where it would have all the different distinct departments in this case, it's a this company, Workday, is trying to kind of fill the roles of finance departments and human resources departments. Yeah,
2: just just doing that, saying, hey, we do this really good. Uh, let us do do it for you. Yeah,
0: because, again, if if Lauren and I decide that we want to start a company together and we end up raising the capital somehow because Kickstarter went nuts and uh, I we haven't even figured out how we're going to build the thing we're going to build. But we've already got like millions of dollars. Here's the thing. We're going to one day just wake up and go, uh, Lauren, do you do you know how to fill out any of these forms?
2: I don't even know what QuickBooks is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, in that yeah. point, we were like, we need to hire people. Who know what they're doing so that we do everything correctly. And that's again, what Workday does. They're looking at the finance side and the human resources side.
2: And, and again, all these tools are involved on the cloud so yeah. that you can access them from anywhere and, you know, yeah, not Which, have to. Which, you
0: know, makes great sense. If you, if you it's are. It's the only a, thing that makes sense yeah, these days, really. Yeah. If you're a mobile executive, if you're moving around doing lots of meetings and stuff and you want to be able to check in, uh, you know, and, and see things on a granular level, In whatever department, whether it's finance or human resources or whatever, then tools like this make that possible where you can, you know, you even have like smartphone app, uh, implementation here so that you can see and, and maybe you're doing a presentation for a potential client or maybe even a potential partner and you can pull up real time information and analytics and say, look, here's, here's how we're doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's working. And this is why you should be working with us. So, uh, you know, again, Not a company that's going to be providing anything that you and I as average consumers are going to see. But maybe the company you work for would be using using it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, They were founded in 2005 from a group of people from PeopleSoft, which had uh, been been hostily taken over by Oracle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The people from Oracle came in, pitchforks waving, torches blazing and said, this is ours now. Uh, And a group of folks from PeopleSoft said, you know what? Um, See ya. And left to found this company, so uh, that actually was well. It'll become a bit of a, a a thorn in a in some employees' sides, according to one of the comments. But uh, they they also held an IPO in October two thousand twelve, so it is a publicly traded company in its own right, um, and has done quite well for itself. So uh, this one also rated pretty high.
2: Uh, yeah, they are a four point two. And um CEO approval rating of Mr. Anil Bursi at eighty-eight percent.
0: Although we should point out, he is a co-CEO and a co-founder. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not on the list there, but yeah. You know, did you notice that the list had a couple of uh, percentages that had a little asterisk next to them? I did. Did you find what the asterisk meant?
2: As far as I could tell, it was an asterisk to nowhere. Yeah,
0: see, that's what I thought, too. And then when I actually looked at Workday's uh, organization chart, I saw that it was a co-CEO. So that's a potential answer to that question.
2: Well, okay, And so so employees say that there are lots of incredibly smart people working there and that, you know, for for all of the hard work that those smart people are doing, their their voices are appreciated and heard.
0: Yes, yeah. They actually say that the um, organization there is very flat. In other words, you don't have this level of mid managers in between you and the people who are actually making, making the, the decisions. Big decisions. Right. So um, your your voice is very important to everyone.
2: However, uh, like we were saying, some some of the complaints going on are are just that if you weren't part of that PeopleSoft transfer, yeah. that there's a little bit of a clicky sort yeah. of problem. Like involved. The people,
0: like the people who came over from PeopleSoft are in a slightly different echelon than everybody else, and that your your uh, prospects for getting promoted or getting a raise may be affected by whether or not you happen to be one of the PeopleSoft elite.
2: So even though the organization is pretty flat, it can be difficult if you weren't in that ground floor to yeah, move up.
0: Exactly. And as for recent news, there's some interesting recent news. The other co-CEO, Dave Duffield, who was another one of the uh, founders of this company of Workday, sold off most of his stock in the company uh, back in November 2013. Uh, specifically, he sold 348,126 shares. He still retains more than 59,000 shares, but obviously he sold most of them. And uh, that was worth a cool $27.8 million. So uh, not a bad haul there. Yeah, and,
2: and uh that same day.
0: Yeah, CO, COO. All right, you got to say the name because I'm going to giggle if I say it. <laughs>
2: Michael Stankley.
0: <laughs> no, no, there's no L there. It's stanky. Is it just stanky? Yeah, it is just stanky. I just
2: imagined a whole L.
0: No, nah, it's fine. I mean, I, I would too. No, Michael Stanky also, uh, COO sold 13,344 shares, but retains more than 100,000 shares. So he non-
2: Nonetheless, that's a decently big upset of yeah. share trading. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It was a lot of, it was a lot of shares that were unloaded. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that the company's doing poorly. In fact, the, uh, the amount that they unloaded, I think it was like somewhere around the mid 70s, uh, like around $75, something like that at the share price that they sold their shares off of. But they had done that just before there had been Talks about the share price rising up to be between seventy nine and eighty five dollars per share. So in reality, it's not like they were they
2: weren't dumping, yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I, and on obviously I can't speak to what their motives were or you know if they were trying to do this to get uh, new uh, investment in the company. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, it they they clearly have done quite a lot of work to get the company valued at what it is now. So. Um, We'll see how this plays out. Yeah, so.
2: and an interesting thing to watch. Um The next one on our list, number six, is a SAS Institute, yeah. which is a little bit more familiar.
0: Yeah, SAS is what we've called it in a previous podcast, but it turns out you're supposed to call it SAS. I did not know that until I r- happened to read it on the website. We, we've mentioned SAS once before, not just as a company, but as a way of life. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: well, uh, obviously, both Jonathan and I live the SAS life. Yeah, we're a little yes. sassy,
0: but no, um, uh, SAS we talked about because we, I remember specifically because we loved the CEO's name.
2: Oh, right. James Goodnight.
0: Goodnight. Yeah. He, this is the uh, company we talked about when we were talking about the richest tech billionaires. Uh, we were, you know, we mentioned James Goodnight. I think he was number 15 or number 14 on Forbes list last year.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he's one of the co-founders of the company, uh, yep. still the CEO.
0: Yep. And, uh, this is a company that, according to the website, has turned a profit every single year of its 35-year existence and that uh, has incredibly low employee turnover. As for what it does, this is a business analytics software company. And if you remember our discussion from the the tech executive episode we did months and months ago – they started off by creating software that helped agricultural companies analyze huge amounts of data. The thing was that the agricultural industry in the United States had amassed huge, huge amounts of information, but it was really hard to organize it or to format it or to to make any real use of it. And what happened was you had some engineers who came up with this way of creating a software that would very effectively go through all this and make it meaningful. So the data that you had was actually useful. It wasn't just that you had lots of it, but you could do things with it. Right. And that was just the very first major customer that SAS had. And after that, they started to branch out into doing analytics software for various industries and businesses and for lots of different applications. So again, yet another company that works with other companies, not with me right, right,
2: but yeah, it, it's it's a lot of really smart and scalable stuff that can help uh, companies of, of basically any size. You know, look at look at look at and analyze their statistics and visualize that data yeah. and all of that important stuff. That
0: right, I mean, give you meaning to the information that you're right. gathering. Right, I mean. Uh, again i know we keep saying this over and over but you just think about the amount of information that your typical large business is is generating whether it's sales figures customer loyalty uh, uh you know the company value these are concepts that are are really important and sometimes they're a little difficult to get a grasp on so if you have a company that can analyze that data make make it meaningful create data visualization where you can actually see what it means that can be a huge benefit
2: uh, and and apparently according to sas themselves it is a very large benefit they say that their customers represent 90 of the top 100 companies on fortune's global 500 list for
0: 2012 yeah so 90% of the top 100 companies listed by fortune in that global list that's i mean that's a great resume <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so i mean that's that's important there uh and um yeah apparently working there is is at least for some employees kind of awesome. Now now they have offices all over the place, but their main campus looks pretty amazing.
2: Is is a I mean a huge campus. It's kind of I mean it's the sort of like food and recreation and bringing your your work life and your life life together into yeah. one giant happy college-like mass.
0: Yes, the idea being that if you can make the experience of going to work pleasant and, uh, and, uh, and, and be able to offset some of the things that a lot of people have to sacrifice when they go to work full time. You know, the things like daycare or even having a gym on site. These are things that can make a big difference in a person's life. I mean, my excuse for not going to the gym is that we don't have one in this building <laughs> today. That's a very convenient excuse. And I, I'm, you know, I'm sticking with it. The just close- because, just
2: because there's one, a whole, uh, two, Like, like, like half a mile down the road. It's
0: raining outside, Lauren. It's raining. I'd get, I'd get wet on the way to the gym. Anyway. Do we have any news about, about SAS to report? We do. So SAS Institute has, uh, like we said, it has a global reach. It's, it's not just in the United States. Uh, They held a survey in the UK and it was a survey where they ended up, the, the findings said that they, it's really important that we find ways to educate uh, people about big data and how to handle it and how to analyze it and finding new ways to do that. I mean, this is the business that SAS is involved with. But they're saying not just don't it's not just come to us so that we can fix your problem. It's we need to make sure that this is something that we stress in curriculum and in, in school curriculums curricula, I guess I should say, um, so that we can make sure we're raising the next generation of analysts so that we can take advantage of this huge opportunity. And so SAS was actually saying that the UK is poised to potentially being a leader in this space, that if they were able to uh, encourage this kind of thing and maybe develop these kind of curricula, then students would be able to really become experts in this field that's an emerging field. And thus, you have a new uh, generation of analysts that can really take advantage of this incredible amount of information. Because big data, we've been talking about that a lot, too. It's, it's got a huge amount of potential, but it's also comes with, you know, enormous challenges because you're just generating so much every single day. How do you manage it? How do you make that? Yeah, without
2: anything to, to make sense of it. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's like, it's like throwing someone into a library that's completely unorganized and saying, uh, bring me a book about such and such. And it was just like, I'm just, I don't even know how to sort through all this. Right. Um they also are engaged in uh, an effort in Nigeria along with a company called Resourcery to help fight fraud which you know oh, cool. in that yeah. particular country is a big issue so um, they're, you know, they're looking at opportunities to not just do business, but to help people.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, and actually we totally forgot to give the company rating. Um, oh yeah. So they, they are at a 4.3 and their CEO approval of Mr. Goodnight is 96%.
0: Yep. So, um, you know, again, it's one of those things where people say like, uh, there are a lot of interesting uh, benefits, including one of the ones I saw was food, food, food. There's food everywhere. <laughs> The food is awesome. Uh, in
2: general, just if you give people food, they'll love you forever, I think. Yeah, is- that's
0: that's why occasionally I will go across the street and buy a dozen cupcakes and bring them back to the office. And that is a true story.
2: Yep, that, that, is, that has happened. I can tell you, Jonathan is not lying right now.
0: Well, we've got five more companies to talk about in our next episode. Uh, you'll get to hear what the top five are. And uh, if you have any requests, like there's some topic that you think we should cover, maybe there's a company on this list you would like to know more about, or maybe there's another company, entirely different company, that you just are dying to have us cover, uh, or technology, concept, whatever you like, let us know. Write us our email addresses, discovery.com, And hey – Here's another thing: we're social people. We're on some social networks.
2: I wouldn't call us social, but yeah, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. Our handle at all three of those is TechStuffHSW.
0: Yeah, so get get in touch with us because uh you know we'll we'll read it and we'll we'll enjoy it, and then once we crawl out of our corners, and uh, which we call our safe zone, we'll be happy to respond to you.
2: Jonathan is a social person. I'm I'm the only anyway.
0: <laughs> so get in touch with us, guys. We want to hear from you, and we will talk to you again. Really